You're watching Global Trade This Week with Pete Mento and Doug Draper. Welcome to a, another edition of Global Trade This Week. This is the post-Turkey hangover edition um, that we'd like to, st- uh, like to jump into. So uh, before we dive into our topics, uh, obviously I'm Doug Draper, one of the co-hosts and uh, my partner in crime on the other side of the great states uh, of the United States of America is Pete Mento. Pete, what's going on, my friend? How are you doing? I'm groovy, Doug. Um, yeah, post-Thanksgiving hangover is a great way to put it. Uh, it is Cyber Monday. My phone has been incredibly quiet, which can only be good news. It's been, um, haven't had a lot of people whining and complaining about anything. So it's been a good, good Cyber Monday, my friend. <laughs> Thanksgiving was good. My, my daughter and I went to Virginia, had a wonderful time. I, uh, went to two different Thanksgiving dinners. Um, and one of the key components of dinner this year was alcohol. So that made everything much better. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We were swapping some, uh, some memes over the break and, uh, uh they were both, uh, enlightening and factual and funny. So yep. how to start an argument, safe, safe conversations that you can have. They were, they were pretty darn good, Doug. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> pretty, probably pretty boring nonetheless. So, hmm. well, Hey, um, Hey, I'm on a time limit, which means our audience uh, only gets a, uh, a one-two punch of this week's show. So we'll just get this thing started, Pete. And um, I open, so you you start off. So my first topic this week is both unsettling and fascinating all at once. There is a new respiratory issue that is going around China. So let's let's just calm everyone down right off the bat. According to the Chinese health ministry... Uh-huh. According to the Chinese health ministry, this is not a novel virus, um, but it is a collection of both vac- bac- bacterias and I think they said of other, other diseases. It's like a super cold, but it's affecting children. So the hospitals are overrun in Beijing and a couple of other cities, Guangzhou, with children not old fat people this time, Doug, but mm-hmm. children who are suffering from uh, what first starts as a fever and then becomes a respiratory issue. So uh, whereas with COVID, we got the warning that it was a cough first. So this is fascinating because in typical Chinese fashion, we're being told everything's cool. Don't freak out, everyone. It's all good. Everything's fine. Um, and then at the same time, everyone else around the world is saying, we don't believe you. Mm-hmm. Um, can we get some insight into this? Now, the World Health Organization put out a statement today that, from what I understand, is backing up the claims of the Chinese health ministers. But this is, I mean, spreading like crazy through China. And people are back to wearing masks. People are back to you know not wanting to go to work. It's, it's interesting to me, Doug, because as we've said on the show over and over and over again, there has never been a pandemic that was not immediately followed by another pandemic within 10 years. Mm-hmm. And more to the point, I keep saying, what are we going to do if another one were to happen? Are we going to freak out? Are we going to shut down the economy? So I'm waiting, Doug. No, you and I, the whole relationship with this show started when we called the pandemic wrecking the global economy. Mm-hmm. So I'm not ready to do that yet. But I am telling you that there will be, if this ends up being exported around the world, there's going to be some people freaking out about how we're supposed to respond to it. And that will affect trade. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I love the term exporting um, in, in that sense, because you're right. I've From what I've read a, a little bit about this over the weekend is everybody's kind of waiting to see. When I mean everybody, I'm talking about other nations, transportation and logistics providers and things of that nation or a thing of that notion. And um, if this does get exported and all of a sudden this conversation starts happening in Brazil or anywhere in uh, in the European Union, then things could rapidly change um, and it could have some some impact. Right. When I initially he uh, heard about this one. Is. Um, Kind of equate it to uh, breaking news and the government shutdown in the sense that if you ever watch the nightly news and my kids make fun of me because I like to watch the nightly news on regular <laughs> TV, no cable. Yeah. Um, everything is breaking news. Literally, if you watch the first 15 minutes, every headline is breaking news. So it becomes not breaking news. And the other thing that we spoke about a couple of weeks ago was government shutdown, right? Is that it's been talked about so much that people don't pay any attention to it. So um, if it gets exported, like you said, and it pops up in mass in other parts of the world, that's when we're going to see immediate reaction. Um, but for now, I think it's a, a holding pattern. Wait and see. My last comment about it, Doug, is much like with COVID, you have a lot of people who will be traveling home from China for the holidays, mm -hmm. followed by Chinese New Year with everyone leaving and going back home. So you want to talk about an opportunity to spread the hell out of something, the timing could not be worse. Mm. Um, so yeah, I will watch this one closely, Doug. Yeah, the timing thing is uh, is key. I had, not, I had not thought about that. So um, my first topic, Pete, is I just started it off which um, with three words. Well, 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 Black yeah. Friday crushed it, Pete. Black Friday crushed it. Um, some statistics I, I saw and read about $9.8 billion of mm -hmm. transactions um, on Friday, which is about a 7.5% increase from 2022. Um, they're saying that Cyber Monday, which is today, is expected to be in the $12 billion uh, realm. So before I jump into that, I wanted to give a couple of cool statistics on, on Black Friday. Mobile purchases were more than 50% of all the purchases uh, wow. out there. So people are shopping on their phone more and more. It's more than old guys like you and me breaking out the laptop and waiting for things to uh, uh, to start up. So that was um, a milestone. The other piece of it that has been a trend, and I've used it personally, is buy now, pay later. Um, that is becoming more of a trend. And the other thing that was interesting is that store-branded credit cards Nobody cares about those anymore, and, and, and those are going down. Even when you say, hey, an extra 10% to sign up for the Nordstrom's credit card or whatever, yeah. nobody's paying attention to that anymore uh, to the level that it was. So um, this weekend, Black Friday, Cyber Monday. Um, and the thing about this, Pete, is, is, is number one, um, it's going to push out the glut of inventory, right? Electronics are up to 30% off and there's everything else is discounted, right? Discount, 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 get it out of my warehouse, get it out of my warehouse, get it out of my warehouse. So the culling of all of this uh, inventory is happening as we speak. And I think that it's enough of momentum swing that it's gonna have macroeconomic effects in Q1. We spoke a little bit about that either last week or the week prior about how this surge in the prediction of having a good 
uh, Black Friday weekend and Cyber Monday uh, in and of itself is not going to push us out of um, the doldrums that we're in, but um, it will have an impact. And I think it's going to have an absolute impact based on uh, initial numbers from this weekend. I'm going to ask again, are those numbers adjusted for inflation? It was not stated. Okay. Well, 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 Doug. <laughs> well, well, well. I guess yeah. we'll see. Uh, but I do agree with you that it's only a good thing, right, to have all this inventory cleared out. I think that there's still a lot of consumer confidence right now. I don't think it's going to have a catapulting, lasting macro effect on the U.S. economy. It's just it's not big enough. It's not big enough. Yeah. As, as long as housing remains where it is, as long as you know energy costs and now cars are going down, there's it's just a matter of time, my friend. February 2024. Mm-hmm. Well, the fact that you asked the question and I could not answer it with, and it was not uh, identified in the information I was reading, probably not um, um, uh, factored in, exactly. in inflation. So, because that because just on my whole point, that is a big number. It draws attention. Um, and if you um, uh, tap it down, tamper it down with, oh, well, you got to factor in inflation, which is right around that 7%, then it's uh, a, a net net. So anyway, you're probably right, Pete. We'll see. Yeah. And that brings us to halftime here at Global Trade This Week, brought to you by our good friends at Cap Logistics. Cap Logistics has uh, been kind enough now for years to financially support and logistically support this podcast, this video television show. And we do thank them so much for that. To learn more about them and their services, please do visit them online at www.caplogistics.com. And as I am always happy to say, Doug and I don't work for Cap Logistics, either one of us, but they still give us this platform. They still give us an opportunity and we can't thank them enough for their support. So Doug, who's going yes. first? This week? I'll, I'll go first. So did you even know, so this is about cruises, right? Um, and, and I'll give you my personal take on cruise and I want to get yours as well. But apparently there was a, um, a company that was out there selling a three-year cruise where you could get on a boat, sail around the world for three years. And they hyped it that it was about the equivalent of normal living expenses, but you could be on this boat and see the world and yada, yada, yada. Well, that was supposed to launch in uh first part of November, I think November 1st, then it got bumped to like the 8th, then it got bumped to the 20th, and now it's been canceled. Um, the cruise has been canceled. And um, when you peel back the onion, Pete, they didn't even really have a vessel confirmed, right? <laughs> they bought they they bought like a this reminds me of the of the fire festival. Fire from festival, yeah, yeah. Yes. Like they kind of had a boat that was in dry dock. It was getting repaired. It was a used, you know, uh, vessel that they acquired and uh, they were working on it. It didn't quite happen. The investors that they needed to finish it kind of backed out. And then the, the CEO of the company said, hey, we're too small of an organization to really float the total uh, charges for this thing. So we're canceling it. And she resigned. So there's these people that have dropped a lot of money that um, have positioned themselves to be in Istanbul, which is where it was initially supposed to, to uh, sail from. So now they're kind of like, what do I do? I potentially sold my house or took a break because I wanted to spend three years at sea. And the company said, we'll pay you back in monthly installments. Oh. So if, if, uh, 
you know, who knows, who knows where that's going to go. But this, <laughs> excuse me, Pete, validates the fact that I hate cruises and I just cannot fathom anybody that would want to go on a cruise and have no control of your situation while you're on the water. And speaking of um, pandemics and sicknesses and how it spreads, oh my God, I can't even fathom somebody that want to spend three years on a boat. Um, and then this whole thing just uh, makes me laugh. So what what's your take on uh, on cruises, Pete? Have you been on one? And would you ever go on one? I've never been on a cruise. And the reason for that is largely because I think I would feel uncomfortable. Um, I think I would feel uncomfortable being on a ship and not working. Like I'm supposed to be going to oh, walk. Okay. You know, I mean, I lived a significant period of my life working on ships. So the idea of being on a ship and not working. Second of all, I do not like manufactured fun. I hate it as a matter of fact. You know, the idea of I don't have enough of my own creativity or or a personality to be able to go out and find my own fun. I have to go to some captured environment where people are going to tell me, Julie, the cruise director is going to tell me how to have a good time. And then lastly, as I've mentioned many times, Doug, for someone in sales, I really don't like people. So the idea of, of being endlessly surrounded by a group of people that I, I don't want to be around and having no escape would drive me absolutely mad, Doug. So no, I don't, I don't see myself Good. going. Yeah. Yeah. The, the lack of control and no way to escape. But if they had Captain Steubing running the show, maybe, 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 maybe I'd give it a second. Go for a doc. Yeah. 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 I love that All show. Right, so you're, you're, um, halftime uh, you've mentioned it many many times about your uh enjoyment of the film industry so i'll let you yep. rip it yep as usual had some free time nothing to do on a down day so like the loser i am doug i went to a movie by myself which is kind of how i keep myself from drinking on the road all week uh and i saw napoleon which is just for some quick bullet points it's the most expensive movie ever made um wow. and it is um it is considered to be like the the most sweeping biopic ever made, uh, even more so than than Oppenheimer. I uh, I loved it. I loved it. It was not as good as Oppenheimer. We all know how much uh, Oppenheimer is, in my opinion, the, the greatest film maybe ever, maybe better than Godfather. I mean, it was it was it was incredible from start to finish. However, uh, I am I'm a Napoleon. Um, I'm a fanboy. I'm going to try to get everyone to see it. And here's the reason for that. We, many men, like we were talking about how they all think about the Roman empire, right? We've, we've grown up hearing about the, the viciousness of battle. And this movie does a particularly, they, they, they give justice to the idea of what it must've been like, pardon me, in the 19th century to be on the march for France and how horrible it must've been. It also gets into the tactical brilliance of this man, but it shows him as a flawed human being. It, it really does an excellent job of not turning him into the God he turned himself into. And it goes deep into the relationship that he had with Josephine. I think it's a brilliant film and I can't recommend it enough. It is um, gory. It is bloody. Don't bring your kids. Oh, how Don't long is it? How long is the movie? Maybe two hours. It's not, it's not over the top and it's Ridley Scott. So it's like gladiator. I mean, stuff's getting blown up falling apart it is it is grisly but it's what i imagine i, I don't know but what i imagine war back then must have been like mm. yeah interesting all right well maybe i have to go check one out the fact that it's not 
three and a half hours long. Um, I might be interested in seeing it, but that seems to be the trend. So thank you for that. Appreciate yeah, it. Just, just stream it, Doug. You'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> now, my second topic is pretty interesting. Uh, I got a text from a friend of mine today with a, you know, a stock tip associated with it. And I'm watching all this. And uh, I had not known that Amazon was going to start selling cars. I don't mm -hmm. know if you knew that, Doug. Nope. So the idea is to kind of disrupt the the market in what Carvana and CarMax had tried to do. They have a relationship now with just Hyundai. And there's a, probably a very logical reason for that. If they were to sell all the cars, they would have a monopoly. And that would be an issue. But if you just pick one car company and you get people used to the idea of buying a car without a negotiation for the price, the price is the price. And then you either go pick it up at your local dealership or they have it delivered to you by your local dealership. Easy peasy, right? Um, and they'll be doing it with Hyundai. I think it's only a matter of time before a company with that kind of a reach is able to go deeper. Now, why this is so freakish is they're going to take trade-ins and they're going to be able to do used car sales for all these trade-ins across the country from one centralized place. I think about this in such a broad sense, Doug, of what it means for the auto industry and how we do have a rather backwards way of managing it right now. But I think more importantly, what it's going to mean for used cars and then keep going down the line. At what point are truck sales going to be done this way? Used truck sales going to be done this way? Is this an opportunity for them to bring pickup trucks and things into their fleet through these? Uh, they're already speculating that might be a part of this, right? Is having this come in for certain types, you've suddenly got a whole bunch of cars you bought at a discount that you can put into delivery service. It's a really interesting, bizarre kind of out of left field thing that we've gotten used to expecting from Amazon. But more than anything, Hyundai has agreed to a 10-year agreement to only use Amazon Web Services, period, hmm. and no one else. So imagine if they could do that with companies like Ford or Daimler Chrysler. The list goes on and on. This is going to be a fascinating story, and we'll be watching it pretty closely, Doug. Yeah. Two things that popped in my mind on that. Number one, <clears throat> Just now when you said truck sales, so with Amazon being vertically integrated with being able to source your product, you and I have this great widget. They'll source it. They'll get it over here for us. They'll warehouse it. They'll ship it. They'll deal with the returns. What if they say, hey, Pete, we will give you one hell of a discount on a truck, but you have to use that for X percentage to make deliveries for our company. Yeah. Um, you know, it could be uh, to assist with the barrier to entry. Like, I want to have a job with Amazon. Um, my Hyundai cannot fit all the packages, but if I had a cargo van or whatever, I could use the same type of service. So that that caught me of interest. The other piece, I think the bigger story is what this impact is going to have and continue to have on the dealership network, right? Carvana, CarMax, they're starting to, um, you know, create this whole separate, disruptor kind of like uber did with with the taxi services but i think that the bigger picture is that nobody cares about a dealership anymore nobody buys their car well i shouldn't say nobody but they are going to be hit the hardest because what's the point of going in a dealership that has this preconceived notions of pushy salesmen and i got to go talk to my manager let me come back mm -hmm. and i'll tell you a funny story about my daughter and how she bought her car at, at a later date but uh i think the auto industry and the dealer di distribution network, I think is going to take uh, another blow. There, there's a left cross coming across that industry um, that I don't think that we've seen the, the fallout of quite yet. 
And, and move that like another step out from what you were just talking about, Doug. What if they were to say, we'll give you a lower term for your financing if you deliver for us. We'll give you a lower term to your financing mm-hmm. if you make moves for us. You know, that people are going to pick them up. I mean, if it means hundreds of dollars less a month to do a couple hours of deliveries uh, a month, I think people might consider that. Yeah, absolutely. Interesting. We'll see how that plays out. All right, man, I'm going to bring it home for a topic that uh, that I love to poke fun at. This is probably drone-ish for me, and it's the um, wonderful delivery system by our federal government called the United States Postal Service. And it just, Pete, it baffles me of the opportunities that is in front of this organization and this company that they continue time and again to miss. They miss the opportunities, right? I get you miss 100% of the shots you never take, but good Lord. The post office. So here, here's the gist. Shocker, they're taking an increase just because they're following suit with FedEx and UPS. It's around five and a half, I think 5.4 to 5.9 percent. Um, here's a big thing, Pete. They are raising the stamp from 66 cents to 68 uh, cents. I take, just raise it to like 75 cents, right? I mean, how many stamps do you buy? Nobody's going to balk at 75 cents or 80 cents. I, I don't know. I think it's who cares about two cents, right? It, it just shows that they are under uh, under delivering or just don't understand the opportunity, right? They also lost $6 billion in the last fiscal year that ended, I think, in September. And uh, DeJoy, who's the postmaster general, is like, we're still working on this rebranding and we're still, excuse me, not rebranding, but uh, reengineering the company and we're early on. If there was any company in the world that operated like the USPS, people would be fired. Um, There would be a complete overhaul of the organization. And the simple way that the post office is set up and the regulatory BS that goes along with it, it is, I mean, they could crush it. They could crush it. Nobody is not ordering less things online, right? And they just don't seem to understand the opportunity that's in front of them. And it's disappointing is disappointing. Doug, I don't know why you hate the post office so much. It's unsettling. Yeah. I just, the, the amount of work that they do and the, and, and the consistency with which they do it is impressive. It is a public utility. Let's just call it what it is. It's a public utility and public utilities are notoriously inefficient. Now, where they do make a lot of money is outside of that public utility piece, which is the international and the e-commerce and the, uh, the, you know, the express services. And they're, they're not as, they're not as uh, crushing it, I think is how you put it, as the uh, public traded companies because the pressure is just not the same and it's not their core competency. You really hate the post office. And mm-hmm. I, think it's, I think it's a short-sighted take, honestly, Doug, a short-sighted take to not give them credit where credit's due. They do an amazing job for very little money, and I think you should give more credit than you do. Yeah. I don't hate them. I'm disappointed in them. They have all the opportunity in front of them. It's like your kid, right? You have so much opportunity, and, and they just they fail. That's the bottom line. I don't hate them. I'm disappointed in them, disappointed in the post office. The fact that you spend this much time being upset about a public utility, <laughs> it just shocks me. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Um, of course, on that sour note from my partner, Doug Draper, uh, 
that's going to do it this week for Global Trade This Week. If it's happening in Global Trade, we'll talk about it next week on another great edition. Thanks to Keenan back in the booth and all the folks at Cap Logistics for their never-ending support of the show. Thank you for listening and for watching. Tell your friends, subscribe, and we'll see you again next week. Take it easy, Doug. Excellent. All right. See you, Pete.